1: Elliot, first question. How does it feel, college graduate, Elliot Mogul-Yines?
0: Uh, it feels fine. Hey, we forgot to mention last week that our our good friend, the master of the introduction, Jake Brend, also graduated. Uh, and he graduated summa cum laude. So he's he is much more deserving of your praise and well wishes than I am. Well, I think both of you are very deserving of it, but that is true.
1: Shout out, Jake Brend, friend of the podcast, intro of the podcast as well. Uh, Yes, graduated with very high honors. He's a very, he's a wildly intelligent young man. Very successful. I recommend everyone get to know him because he will be rich in the future. I I feel very strongly, either through sports betting or through uh, some job.
0: We we made him. It, it his success is owed to us It's because of this podcast that he is who he is. I think so. Uh, when when the time comes for him to be rich and famous, I I'm gonna be coming for my cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. But um, we
1: also forgot to mention last week that we did go and see the talk of Tinsel Town, the current buzzy film the super mario movie we went and see it we have to support struggling company nintendo very poor company there uh elliot do you want to give some brief thoughts on that film not much to say but you know
0: uh yeah i my opinion has not changed since the moment the credits rolled and that is that the movie is relatively entertaining inoffensive fluff
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I was mildly entertained throughout. There was a few jokes that did make me laugh. There were a few moments that made me go, hey, I've seen that in a video game somewhere. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, it was pretty, pretty nothing. But it is now, it's made a billion dollars. So Nintendo's about to make a lot more video game movies. Personally, I would love to see a Metroid movie or something, but, you know, I'm sure Elliot is, (laughs) I'm sure Elliot, you are
0: unenthusiastic at the prospect of more Nintendo films. I I don't know, man. Pretty soon they're going to have enough money that they won't even need to deal with lawyers anymore. They'll just send out hitmen to cap anyone who says Mario without giving them their two cents.
1: I think they did. Did you not see the news story where they sent like the Pinkertons or something to a guy's house who had gotten a leaked copy of uh, Tears of the Kingdom? So they're all they're already sending legit like gumshoes after people.
0: <laughs> that is
1: preposterous. Ridiculous. I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, enough about enough about corporations. Uh, let's talk about something fun, fun for the whole family. Elliot, we're doing Casino Royale this week. And uh, just to sort of set this up, this episode has been a long time coming. I started in February, I want to say. A watch through of all the James Bond movies, w- of which there have been 25 in the kind of official canon that are all made by the same company and the same sort of production team. So I started a watch-through in February. I very recently finished this watch-through, finished with the Pierce Brosnan ones. I had already seen the Daniel Craig movies, and I thought it would be cool if we did uh, one of the, you know, most iconic film characters, film franchises of all time, James Bond. And we are doing the modern 2006 reboot with Daniel Craig, Casino Royale. Um, yeah, so Elliot, why don't you uh, start us off with kind of your thoughts? I guess I can give, if you haven't seen it, it follows James Bond, who I'm assuming you've heard of, as he goes and joins a high-stakes poker game to try and bankrupt a criminal so that they can get the criminal to flip on his compatriots basically is essentially the premise of the film but elliot start us off thoughts on the movie experience with james bond how much do you love british culture
0: (laughs) well as usual you've asked several questions there all of them deserving of their own separate relatively substantial answer so i'm just going to ignore most of them and give you my thoughts on james bond as a character i think he sucks actually i think his movies kind of suck i like any good little brother when i heard that my older brother was doing something i was like yeah maybe i'll 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 tag along for this i watched like the the last half of the first one with you okay i don't even remember what it's called dr no maybe or Dr. Yes? Or Dr. Maybe? Yes. Yes, no, maybe? It's Dr. No. Yes, it's Dr. It's no. It's Dr. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and that movie was trash. Um, and then I watched most of Goldfinger with you. That movie sucked. And then I watched Thunderball. All of Thunderball. That movie was trash. <laughs> then what? We, I, I watched... Golden Eye yeah, new euphemisms. We watched I watched Goldeneye separately, and that movie was stupid. And then didn't we watch two of the Roger Moore ones together? Uh, we watched The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, that movie was terrible. And I think that's
1: it. And then you also watched License to Kill with Me. That movie was okay.
0: Yeah, and then I have watched all of the Daniel Craig Bond movies, and they're middling to okay. I think my favorite is, I don't even know, probably No Time to Die, but even that movie has some big problems. Uh, yeah, I I, I did not like my experience with these movies very much at all. Uh, I thought that so many of them were just stupid. They were just so dumb. Like, the villain's plans were always insanely convoluted and nonsensical, and James Bond just came across as an idiot because he's, he's constantly getting it on with these women, and it doesn't make him seem like a suave ladies' man. It makes him seem like a doofus who can't, you know, oh my gosh, I just said, you know, dang it. Who can't uh, just keep it in his pants for five seconds and focus on his job, which is usually of pretty high importance? So the whole Bond, girl, the whole Bond girl thing, was obviously it was wrong because it's fairly misogynistic in nature, but also it's just dumb. It's just poorly written. It's it's an example of bad writing, and it makes Bond seem like honestly. A self-insert wish fulfillment for the filmmakers and directors and writers and Ian Fleming. Uh, so yeah, I thought I think that James Bond. I it baffles me how he has attained this cultural icon status because as a character, there's I mean, there's nothing very much to him. He's not very deep. He doesn't really have any. Doesn't really have any character. He has characteristics like womanizer, rapist, idiot. Um, but he doesn't really have character if that makes any sense So needless to say I was a little bit hostile <laughs> I was coming into this movie uh, a little bit hostile <laughs> to the idea of it I had seen it before already but that was a while ago and it was fine uh, there were parts about it that I liked a lot I will say that the parts that I didn't that didn't work for me, definitely are more intricate and more mechanical than just simple, easy-to-explain stuff like Bond is not an intelligent or interesting character, his villains are ridiculous, that kind of thing. Uh, Because I think that the pacing is pretty off, the plot structure doesn't really work for me, and as much as I love Mads Mikkelsen, I feel like the villain in this is really... Not very intimidating or interesting. And any kind of quality that he has comes from Mads Mikkelsen. But I, I really like Judy Dench as M. Vesper is one of the more acceptable Bond girls. I still don't buy, even for one second, that they fall madly in love over the span of like three days. Whatever. Um, but she at least has a good back and forth with Bond And I think Daniel Craig is fine. The action is fine. But it, yeah, it just felt pretty, honestly, without all of the ludicrous excesses of the old films, whatever you think of them, this movie came across as much more generic in comparison. So that's kind of a general outline of my extremely hostile thoughts towards James Bond as a franchise. Yeah,
1: I guess. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i've seen all of them all 25 and i've i think i've already told you this i said it when i was like three movies in but it was probably the most fun i've had watching movies since i re-watched star wars before the rise of skywalker i just got a huge kick out of every single one of these and it's I, it quickly landed among franchises where I can objectively review, like I'm not going to say that the things you're saying are incorrect, Bond is stupid, the movies are, especially at the beginning, fairly misogynistic and gross, but they are so much gosh dang fun, and I find them so funny. And I agree that James Bond is kind of a nothing character, but after watching 25 movies with this man, I think it's interesting the ways that they try and kind of peel apart this. And I especially, I, you know, like you said, we had already seen Casino Royale coming back to this now with all of the knowledge of the previous movies, I enjoyed this i didn't love it i'm not like over the moon about this i don't think it's the best james bond movie but i did think this what this one was doing was a fairly significant departure in terms of character and tone for james bond and so kind of seeing how they were doing that i thought was really interesting and yeah i mean uh, it seems like we you know disagree on this which has been true of all of the James Bond movies that I've just been having the time of my life and you've just been murderously irate (laughs) watching them with me when you did watch them with me um so I'm really excited to talk about this movie but just in terms of thoughts on the franchise I love James Bond as a franchise I think regardless of quality every single one of those movies is incredibly watchable very funny. It's They're very campy, you know? They're very silly. They're dumb. There's moments in there that are just objectively stupid. But I just find it funny. I'm like, it's insane that a franchise with this much writing on it that's made so much money is still written by people who, like, have no conception of how women talk or how <laughs> villains should be. I find it really funny. But... Yeah, let's, you know, just to talk about this one, let's start, you kind of started with it a bit, but let's talk about the the biggest thing is Daniel Craig as James Bond, right? The centerpiece of any James Bond movie is obviously Bond himself. I thought this movie was very interesting in that it was almost an origin story of the James Bond that we see in all the other movies. That in all the other movies, there's a sense in which the reason he's doing all of these things like womanizing and he drinks a lot and he's very unemotional with regards to pretty much everything that happens around him. It doesn't seem like he really cares all that much about anything. And in some of the movies, it does kind of frame it as he lost his wife. Um, One of the movies depicts him getting married and then losing his wife. And more than a few of the movies reference his wife being dead. But this movie kind of shows the origins of that thing, of that sort of mentality in Bond, that he doesn't care about anyone, and he's, as Judi Dench's M describes him at the beginning, a blunt instrument that is just used by the British government to kill anyone who's going to cause trouble for it. So I I thought it was really fascinating how the movie kind of picked apart all of these pieces of the Bond lore to build up to him being James Bond at the end of it. And I think Daniel Craig does a great job because he's very, like he looks very unemotional in a lot of the moments in the movie. And I think it's because he's, over the course of the film, he's slowly hardening into a blunt instrument. Or at least further, because he's kind of a blunt instrument at the beginning and then he's, Slowly warming up to Vesper, but then by the end, Vesper dies, and he is Bond, James Bond. I can I can already tell you are not happy with that analysis of the film. Uh,
0: no, I was still hung up on when you called uh, miso- gross misogyny fun to watch. That's a, that's an interesting thing to say. That's that's on record now. Um, I didn't. <laughs>
1: No, I'm not. I'm not even going to justify that with a response. I think you can run the tape back and see that I did not say that.
0: (laughs) Well, you didn't say it in so many words. Uh, Anyway, I don't disagree necessarily with what you're saying. I have seen I haven't seen all of the movies like you have, obviously, but I have seen all of the actors who played Bond with the exception of Lazenby, who only played him the one time. And that is in that his movie is the one where he gets a wife who uh, then immediately dies. So it's a weird choice to make that like the linchpin of Bond canon, whatever. But anyway, Daniel Craig definitely is one of the more probably the most brooding and dark version of the character. Um, All of the other ones, especially I think Brosnan and Connery. Are much more, are having a lot more fun with it. Uh, They're much more suave and laid back. They're not really affected by the things they see. This Bond is clearly trying to lean into a grittier, more stripped back and uh, quote unquote realistic version of the character to fit with the early 2000s aesthetic, which was very much steeped in grit. And uh, a rejection of primary colors in their entirety um, and people being sad and pensive, Uh, which is, you know, that's that's I just said, you know, again, gosh, dang it. (laughs) Uh, That's fine. I like things that are pensive and sad and brooding because I myself am pensive and sad and brooding. Uh, And I think that Daniel Craig, he does do a pretty good job with the material that he's given. Um, I like the way that he breaks character at times, by which I mean, I like how he constructs an edifice of stoicism, because it makes the parts where he does seem angry or scared or sad or what have you, it makes them more impactful. Um, And Daniel Craig, he does, he, he goes all in on those moments, like he gets pretty intense. Uh, and he can do the physical stuff pretty well. One thing that I can offer unqualified praise for the Bond series is stunts. Uh, they have got some... They, they've got some madmen working on them. And they do some pretty wild, elaborate stunts that I can absolutely appreciate. And I'm not sure how much of that carried over into this movie. Like, I couldn't tell if when they were jumping around on the giant cranes if that was green screen or if it was on location kind of hard to tell if it was on location good job if it was if it was green screen whatever i get it you know it's dangerous and hard and stuff like that so yeah i think that he's he's good as the character and he does he does he definitely knows the assignment and knows how to do it well to the extent that the assignment itself allows for things like quality and uh, depth.
1: Yeah, and I think then the only other really meaningful part of the Bond canon that gets carried over since there's no money penny, there's no cue, there's no gadgets, there's no cute <laughs> setup sort of stuff. In fact, there's only one Bond girl in the movie since he doesn't sleep with that one guy's wife. So, the only other part of the Bond canon that really gets carried over, oh, besides Felix Leiter, Jeffrey Wright, who is barely in the movie, but he shows up more later, and I love him as Felix. I love Felix in all the movies, but especially in this iteration of the character, I like him. Uh, Judy Dench as M, also being the holdover from She Was M for Pierce Brosnan's Bond. And I really, I really love her as M. I think she does a fantastic job of being a much more stern M than the previous uh, guys who had been M, where they were always kind of stern with Bond, but because it was like a guy, it was almost like a frat house, like, oh, don't sleep with that woman, wink, wink. And when Judy Dench does it, she's like, seriously, don't do that. Like, focus on your job, Bond, which is also what I say while watching the movie. But I really like Judy Dench's M. And she's very good in this movie. And then Eva Green is good as Vesper, obviously. Mads Mikkelsen is cool.
0: Well, I wasn't listening to any of that, but I'm assuming what you said is generally acceptable and accurate because you are generally acceptable and accurate as a person. Uh, but I'm just kidding. I was listening. And I do love Judy Dench as M. I think that she's a good foil for Bond as a character, in general, and in this movie specifically, I do want, as long as we're on the characters of the movie, I do want to talk about the villain, because, yeah, he did not do much for me, because he spent almost the entire movie on his back foot, getting pushed around and beaten up and being in danger. So, despite the undeniable gravitas that Mads Mikkelsen brings purely by virtue of his voice and his face and his acting ability, I never really felt all that intimidated by him or interested in him because he just seemed like kind of a cowardly, sniveling middleman, which is basically what he was. He was just, and he was just like, he was essentially Lao from The Dark Knight, just a, 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 a an accountant.
1: Yeah, and I agree in the world of James Bond villains who have typically skewed very flamboyant and over the top. Le Chiff is one of the more subtle ones. I mean, his eye cries blood, which is a bit of a silly sort of thing that I think is just a detail in the Fleming novel this is based on. But I do think a lot of, and I kind of want to move this discussion to, because I think this is true of the plot as well, that you mentioned the Structure of the plot is very interesting since it does spend an hour kind of setting up the casino Royale section. And then there's like 30 minutes after the casino Royale section of like more movie. So the plot and the pacing of it can seem very, I think bizarre that it's like, why are we spending so much time setting this up? And then why are we spending so much time after the ostensive? right? End of the movie. The villain gets shot. That should be the end of the picture. So I think the reason why the villain is kind of a one-note-nothing villain is because the point of the movie is not any of these things. The point of the movie is to make Bond into Bond. And so the reason why the pacing and the plot is structured this way is because they are, right, they're adapting Casino Royale. So that's what the Casino Royale section is. But they're also trying to get, they're trying to set up Bond to, right, get to Venice, to where Vesper dies, to where he gets to say at the end that he's James Bond with the music playing and, oh, it's so cool. So I think in terms of pacing, it doesn't bother me as much. And so then further, the villain being kind of one note, it doesn't bother me as much because the point of the movie is not really those things. And so it's more like vignettes. If you think of them as you know vignettes in the same way that like Lady Bird is comprised of a series of vignettes that serve to grow the character of Lady Bird, I see it almost as the same thing. There is a through thread, obviously, but I think if you watch it more as it's a series of events that show the character of this version of Bond and then kind of grow it and take him on this arc. The pacing and the plotting become, I think, less of an issue because it's less of an issue for me because I'm doing this.
0: Yeah, I definitely I can see what you're saying, and that's I I understand how the plot would work within that meta narrative um, structure. It does not really solve anything for me because a. I don't care about James Bond as a character. I don't see the need to set him... He's such a recognizable, well-known character. I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you would want to set him up. And also because I still think that structurally... Making a movie all about establishing a single character... When it's this kind of movie... That is an action spy thriller globe trotting adventure. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes sense for Lady Bird because that's a fairly low stakes coming of age story, and the way people come of age is through self contained experiences like what happens to her in that movie. I'm not so sure that that can be applied to James Bond. Uh, but also, I have defended. The Thing and Jurassic Park, now, for having lengthy setups. But, and this movie has a lengthy setup, but those movies are setting something up. Whereas this movie setup feels like its own self-contained three-act structure, you know? It has an introduction, rising action, climax, falling action, conclusion, but then... We go right into another introduction, rising action, conclusion, fall or climax, falling action, conclusion, <laughs> rising action, climax, falling action, conclusion. So and that's that's just bizarre. It it just doesn't work for me. Because it makes the movie's pace feel really wonky, where you have these insane highs that then just absolutely plummet and then plateau before building up again very rapidly because this is for a a movie it is kind of on the longer side but for a movie that's trying to have three separate three act structures within it there is not much time to do the building action or the falling action so it seems like we just have a bunch of introductions and climaxes and conclusions pieced together by fairly threadbare plot threads. Hmm.
1: Okay, yeah, sure. See, I can see that, but I just, I don't, I don't feel the same way. I have a lot of fun with it. I enjoy the thing. I think to move away then from sort of the plotting, let's talk about the stuff that's taking place inside the plot, um, just some quick fire thoughts here from me. I love the writing. You already mentioned it, but I love the writing of every scene with Vesper and Bond. I think their back and forth is really fantastic. Easily the best rapport of any sort of Bond and Bond girl, besides maybe. Um, I do like Lazenby's wife in the Lazenby movie, but it's really fantastic. It's really funny. I like how... He kind of gets one up on her and then she gets one up on him. I love that kind of stuff. So I think it's really well done. I think all of the fight scenes are very well done. The one in the stairwell is great. I was literally jumping for joy that a woman who was in the fight scene, the writers finally realized, whoa, she can like do something besides stand there and be worried about bond that she does like grab the gun and get the gun away from the guy, which I was like, oh, thank the Lord. Because I can't tell you how many times in these Bond movies, Bond sleeps with some like CIA agent who is then fully useless every time there's a fight. I mean, they just do so little. And she's an accountant. So Vesper, you know, diving in there, that was better. Just in terms of, so it doesn't sound like I'm just praising the movie to high heaven the chase scene in Madagascar is way too long and is just so bloated. And this is true of a lot of chase scenes throughout the franchise, that they last for way longer than I think they should. And I think especially in this one, because the movie, like you said, is long for this type of movie. It's two and a half hours long. Uh, They should have trimmed like four minutes from this chase scene because they climb all the way up a building and then they're running and then they're in the end. There's almost two separate sections of the chase scene. So that chase scene for me felt like a particularly egregious sort of, okay, this is taking way too long. And even kind of the chase scene in the airport where he's trying to get on the uh, tanker and stop it from blowing up. That one felt kind of, a bit longer than it maybe needed to be. But what do you think of kind of the stuff that's, you know, not the pacing, but what uh, the stuff that's in the actual movie?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know what you, I don't know what you want me to say here. I was pretty unimpressed by the vast majority of it. Uh, I definitely agree that chase scene lasted for a darn long time. Um, I do like how the movie does make it clear not through just through dialogue, but also through showing instead of just telling that this is a James Bond at the beginning of his career, like in the chase scene where he makes mistakes, he doesn't quite always stick his landings, uh, he loses the guy several times, he can't really parkour, parkour, the way that guy can. I mean, he's like, he, we've got a Spider-Man up in this house. Um, but I like that. I thought that that was a nice touch uh, to set up the kind of where... Uh, James Bond is as a character in this. The action is fairly sparse, but very much influenced by Jason Bourne, I think. Uh, Shaky cam, rapid edits. uh, It's more... The old movie's fights are, are pretty embarrassing, because Nobody's really doing much. They're kind of just like smooshing into each other. They're like they're they're wrestling honestly, uh, more than they're actually fighting in the old movies. And whatever, that's that's interesting. Uh, in this movie, they are fighting more clearly, but it's it's really nothing that I haven't seen before. It's it's fairly bog standard. I agree obviously about the Vesper and Bond interplay. It's all fine and good. I feel like there's good groundwork for a strong relationship there, but they skip over a lot of stuff to put them right at madly in love. And James Bond is like, everything that I have left belongs to you. And she's like, if there was just, if all you had left was your smile and your little pinky, I'd still want to be with you. And I was like, Are you serious? Where on earth did this come from? They've been having flirty conversations this entire movie. And there was the kind of borderline, almost maybe tender scene between them in the shower when Vesper is uh, traumatized from having seen two men get killed and I was like, at first when she was like, I can't get the blood off my hands, and he Bond was like, let me see. I was like, Oh, this is this is gonna be a nice scene where he washes her hands. And then he like licks them. And I was like, Are you are you flipping kidding me right now? That just completely sucked any legitimate, authentic tenderness out of the scene. And I was just rolling my eyes. This has nothing to do with anything, but on the subject of eyes, Daniel Craig has very piercing blue eyes. Uh, just couldn't help but notice. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought that, yeah, so their relationship was good initially, but they just jump right to madly in love, and I don't buy it even for one minute. I also thought that just her being there was dumb, because she's an accountant from the royal treasury. Why on earth is she on an Active mission. That is so dumb. Like, they seriously couldn't just have her oversee this money by phone or something. He couldn't just call her to say, like, oh, yeah, this is what's happening. This is where the money's at. She actually has to be in an active operation. High stakes, high danger, ridiculous. Doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, One last thing that I want to say about Vesper is that I really appreciate how... James Bond points out that her name is stupid because, my goodness, almost every time a Bond girl gets introduced and she says her name, I grit my teeth because they have some of the most face-meltingly obnoxious names in cinematic history. Pussy Galore? Are you kidding me? Get out of here with that nonsense. Gosh, I hated that.
1: And see, once again, I think you're just maybe incapable of having fun because I died laugh I'm dying laughing right now. You're so right. Every Bond girl's name is so stupid. I Oh gosh, it is so funny to me. Jinx Johnson. Ridiculous. No, I yeah. I agree. Um, I did want to say the reason Vesper is there is because there was the 10 million buy in, but then 5 million buy back, like buy back in. And so the reason she was there was to appraise whether or not it would be worth it if he loses to give him the 5 million to go back in. Again, unclear why it necessarily had to be her being there as opposed to just doing like a psychoanalysis thing, but in the movie, that's why she said she was there, was to appraise how he was doing in the poker game to then judge if it would be worth it to spend more money and keep him in the game if he, lo- if he lost.
0: Yeah, I know, and that's ridiculous. They they honestly couldn't have an a MI6 agent who's good with numbers or good at poker to do that. They had to have a civilian? That's That's stupid. Well, um, I don't know what to tell you, Elliot. Sometimes you've just got to accept
1: things that happen in movies. On kind of your note of the action being very Jason Bourne-esque, the cinematography in general is a very significant departure from the cinematography. In the previous ones, there's like a film grain. I don't know if it's shot on film because I don't care and people who can notice are lying to you. But it's got a bit of a grainy sort of thing. It's clearly to make it more realistic. Um, But this is noticeably shot differently than GoldenEye and any of the previous James Bond movies, which I think is just another way that it's trying to separate itself from all of the movies that came before and be, and, you know, fully bring James Bond into the modern world of cinema. I don't think I really have anything else to sort of say. I feel like I've been praising this movie quite a bit and now my rating is not going to really correspond to, (laughs) you know, how highly I've talked about this movie. I do think that, like I've said, some of the action scenes are a bit bloated and not every minute of the film is as, is maybe necessary to the development as Bond, as uh, I think maybe the editor or whoever cut together the movie thinks it is, that there are significant portions that are just big shooty action nonsense. I also kind of think um, the opening of the movie was trying so hard to be different that it just ended up coming off as really lame. Like, starting in black and white, what are we doing here? And then it was like black and white and grainy when it would flash back to him killing the guy in the bathroom. I was like, okay, this is, you know, all right, Zack Schneider, how about you calm down? We get it. This isn't your grandpa's Bond movie. And then I also, I wrote in my notes as it was happening that I felt like the last scene where he goes after Mr. White, I was like, I don't know if we need this. I feel like a good enough ending is just him, right, reading the text message from Vesper and seeing that he can track down the people who killed her. Um, But then when it had the shot, the like low angle shot of him with the gun and he said, Bond, I'm, you know, I'm Bond, James Bond. I was like, okay, actually, that was pretty neat. I'm gonna give you a pass on this one, <laughs> which, again, I think is just the difference. that I have a lot of fun with these movies, and clearly, you are a big old stick in the mud, and so you don't.
0: I guess I just, I guess I just find it harder to turn my brain off and drool into my popcorn while all the pretty colors and the uh, <laughs> and the attractive women flash on the screen. Whatever. I'll I'll embrace that label, uh, if that's what that means. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot else to say. I've been really hard on this movie. I've been really hard on James Bond in general. It's because both of them deserve it. What can I say? Um, I didn't hate this movie. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, there are parts that I hated, uh, and I do dislike the franchise in general. But this was relatively, much like Mario, this was relatively inoffensive I like cool cars and lavish sets and attractive people in fine clothing just kind of messing around and everyone's, everyone's clearly, nobody's phoning it in performance wise. Everyone's obviously wants to be there and they're trying their best, but yeah, it's it's just really, it's, I feel like it's poorly structured and poorly written and I just don't care enough about James Bond as a character to really be all that interested in seeing why he is the way he is, especially since the way he is is so firmly established by now. It seems almost pointless to even to even talk about it. Um. Yeah, so hmm. uh, the music is OK. I will say that theme is pretty sick. Uh, That played over the credits. I was sad that that didn't get played more often. Mom watched part of it with me, and she she was always she really liked the music always. But I don't know what to tell you. Guess she doesn't have a good ear. That's a joke.
1: She loves she loves music with trumpets, and this is a very orchestral, heavy and brass-heavy sort of score. I also wanted to say. Bond coming back to the table after he's been poisoned and saying, that last hand nearly killed me. Incredible Bond. I mean, this movie had a real dearth of classic Bond like quips and sarcastic little statements. That one, impeccable. Beautiful, funny, very well done. Loved it.
0: I mean, yeah, that was that was fine, and I like puns generally. But again, that was kind of overshadowed by just how Lashif is just constantly getting outplayed. I mean, there, there's the one time where he bluffs Bond out and gets all the money, but other than that, he's just always losing. So he's just not intimidating or interesting, and I had zero satisfaction in the totally anticlimactic way that he ended up going out and then honestly just the fact that they spend so much time afterwards wrapping things up made it seem like he wasn't even that important because he was barely mentioned so he seemed ultimately inconsequential and i just don't think that that's i just don't think that's a very good way to go about a movie like this i feel like a lot of the conflict and the tension is going to come from a or should have come from a tense cat-and-mouse game between protagonist and antagonist, but supposedly it's coming from figure learning why, seeing how James Bond is being set up as a character, but I don't care. So, it didn't work. Well, you know, and that's
1: just going to... It's just not going to work for you. Sometimes, if you don't buy into what the movie's selling, you're never going to be able to enjoy the movie. And I think that's totally fine. Not everyone has to. There's movies I don't buy into what the movie's doing. And so I can read very well thought out, well done reviews of movies that I dislike. And I'm like, yeah, I see why you would think the movie is doing that. I disagree. So I get where you're coming from. But. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a top 10 Bond for me. But let's uh let's get to ratings then. You know, sounds like there's not really much much further to go. I'll start. Like I've said, I really love Bond. I have a lot of fun watching these movies. I'm probably going to continue re watching the Daniel Craig ones just because I thought this one was much better than the first time I saw it when I I think I was kind of in the same place as you, Elliot, that I was like, wow, this is weirdly paced and I don't understand the point of all of this talk about James Bond and stuff, but now having seen all the previous movies, I get what they're trying to do with the character and with the ideas. So I enjoyed it a lot more. I still do think there's some issues and there's some sections that could be cut down a bit, especially since, again, the movie is, Two and a half hours, which is too long for an action movie, in my opinion. But I enjoyed this. It's a
0: 7.4 out of 10 for me. Wow. Unconscionable. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I don't really like James Bond as a character or as a franchise. I didn't care too much for this movie. There was there were some really strong performances, especially from Judy Dench. And Mads Mickelson, despite the writing of his character, I love Mads Mikkelsen. I He's honestly what I'm most excited for in Indiana Jones 5. Daniel Craig does a good job with what he's given. Same with Eva Green. But yeah, the action is serviceable. And there are pretty things to look at, like cars and uh, beaches and the sea and stuff like that. That's fine if that's your thing. But all in all, the movie structure, the plot structure is just really off. I don't buy Bond and Vesper's relationship as it turns out. Lashif is totally neutered as a villain, so there's nothing, there's no real tension coming from him. I also really like Jeffrey Wright as an actor and in this role, but he's pretty underused here. And yeah, just generally I found it to be a poorly written, poorly structured movie that was pretty much held aloft by some okay action, some okay stunts, and some good performances. So I'm going to give it a C minus, below average. Wow. Um, I just
1: do want to also
0: add, just to further defend this
1: movie, from allegations from my uh, grumpy brother here, I think part of the reason why... And this is just for me personally, why I buy Vesper and Bond falling for each other is, first of all, I don't think Vesper necessarily falls that much for Bond. She is trying to get something from him. So I don't think she's really, and especially since M says that she has a boyfriend in Algeria or whatever. I think some of what she says to Bond is in fact just her trying to uh, get him to do things for her. And I think I buy Bond falling for her because I think people who get stuck in a rut of very transient, meaningless sort of relationships, as soon as they meet someone who, right, is not about that, that he's met sort of a his match in Vesper, that it is someone who is meeting him at his intellectual level. Um, I do kind of believe that he would fall that fast for um, a person like that, but. That's just me. Anyway, setting that aside, let's get to recommendations. Elliot, you've been unhappy this whole episode. Now you get to talk about a movie you like. What movie are you recommending for uh, people who enjoyed Casino Royale or people who didn't?
0: Uh I haven't been unhappy. I always like talking about uh, bad movies and what exactly makes them bad, or in this case, below average. Rude. Um Yeah. So I, really. I, as usual, stuck to the assignment pretty closely. Um, so I chose another spy thriller movie. This one from another long-standing franchise. Um, and that's Mission Impossible. Uh, now, I have not seen all of the Mission Impossible movies. I've seen all of the modern ones. So from Ghost Protocol onward. Uh, and I've enjoyed all of them quite a bit. Tom Cruise famously does a lot of really impressive stunts in these movies. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't deny that they are very impressive. And Tom Cruise himself is a charismatic actor, uh, what, whatever you think of his interesting personal life. Um, but yeah, I would say that these <laughs> movies offer a pretty good alternative to the Bond films in that they are, like Bond, they are fairly grandiose, fairly uh, elaborate, Huge stakes, um, spy thrillers with lots of intrigue, lots of espionage, lots of spy stuff. It's they're all spy thrillers. The difference being that a these movies don't have female characters that make me want to put my fist through the TV, and b uh, I'm just kidding. Well, the Bond movies do have terrible female characters, but they're not they they're not so bad that I want to commit an act of violence against inanimate objects. Um Yeah, anyway, the characters are more interesting, they're more fleshed out. Uh they also have their quirks and their their roles like you've got Benji as the Q pretty much. Uh but also Simon Pegg is he's a great actor. I love him. Um and yeah, the action is so much better filmed and just there's just there's just better. Uh they're better filmed They're more colorful. They're more believable despite their equally insane premises at times. Um, And yeah, they're just so much more fun. There's less, ultimately I would say there's less baggage that you have to get around in order to get at the alleged fun at the core of James Bond than with Mission Impossible where the fun is just right there on the table and you can sit down and dig in. Oh I didn't even say <laughs> I just accidentally recommended the Mission Impossible franchise in general. Uh, my favorite and what I was trying to say is my my favorite is Mission Impossible Fallout. That would be my recommendation uh, to start, but you could start anywhere because they're not they don't really have uh, an overarching plot. I mean there are some references to past events and some characters that carry over. but I would say you could jump in pretty much anywhere and to have a good time. But my my personal pick would be Fallout. Inter- interesting. That's not... I have also... I think I
1: might only have seen Rogue Nation, Fallout, and the second one. And the second one was terrible. I hated... The second one was not good at all. Um, I've, I really like Rogue Nation. I I also didn't think Fallout was all that good. So I guess I can't really... Second, this recommendation. I thought Fallout was kind of stupid, but. um, (laughs) uh, My recommendation, and I'm cheating a smidge with this, is I'm going to recommend the second Timothy Dalton James Bond movie, License to Kill. And the reason I'm going to recommend this is I feel like a lot of people who have maybe only seen the Daniel Craig ones and then maybe only seen you know, the iconic early Sean Connery ones and haven't seen, in my opinion, kind of the hidden gems of the James Bond films are Timothy Dalton's two. He only had two, uh, Living Daylights and License to Kill. License to Kill is his second one. I think it's fantastic. It's a huge departure from previous Bond movies. It's more of a revenge film. It's kind of operating on a similar level to Casino Royale in that it is more about kind of James Bond as a character somewhat. But I think the real joy in this movie is watching Bond slowly disassemble a crime lord's crime organization as revenge for him injuring and killing and disrupting uh, Felix Leiter's wedding. And I just think it's a ton of fun to watch all of these little pieces come together as James Bond slowly makes the guy really paranoid and makes him betray some of his longtime allies. And uh, the Bond girl is pretty good. You get to see Q in the field and the guy who played Q for the longest time is a really fun actor. Does a really great job with the role. And I just, I love Timothy Dalton as Bond. He's so sarcastic, so funny. So my recommendation is, License to Kill, I think it's a fantastic Bond movie. It's in my top. I think it's three, maybe two or three. It's it's up there. It's a very it's a very good movie. But that is my recommendation.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I can give that a very very tentative second. That's probably the least objectionable of the Bond films to me. Um, it's still dumb as rocks, uh, the characters are all still ridiculous, and I guess the the Bond girl doesn't mm. have... Uh, I don't think she has, like, a terrible name. Can't even remember what it is, so couldn't have been that bad. Um, but yeah, it's it's fine. I guess it would be, like, a C+, uh, as opposed to Casino Royale C-, so whatever if that's if, if you if you think that's worth it, go ahead. I won't stop you. Uh, I'll just be sitting here silently judging you. Uh, I'm joking of course I, I, I stand by my uh, my stance that <laughs> people should watch what they what they enjoy and there's nothing wrong with liking things that I don't like even if you're wrong as you would be if you like James Bond. However, you would be right. <laughs> if you were to say that life is hard and full of disappointments, because both of those things are indeed true. Well, sure, 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 Elliot. And it is is—it is too bad you don't
1: like Bond more. I'm really excited. Let's just do this. Oh, right here, Elliot. What do you think is going to be the next actor to play James Bond? Let's put it out there in the real world, so if we're right, we can say. Uh, who do you think it's going to be?
0: Who do I think it's going to be, or who do I want it to be?
1: Let's do. Who do you uh, let's say? Who do you want? Because for me, it's
0: the same. So, oh, I guess um, you can do either or. I don't. I don't really know that many British actors, to be honest. And obviously, I couldn't care less about this franchise in general. But I think that, and there's been talk for a long time of making James Bond black. And I think if they were going to do that, uh, I think you could not go wrong with Idris Elba. I think he's got the charisma, he's got the build, he's got the, uh, yeah, he's got the right uh, approach for James Bond. If you ask me who I think it's going to be, there's been a lot of talk of Aaron Taylor Johnson being the next James Bond.
1: I have been seeing that. Um, I think those are both poor picks. Idris Elba is way too old. We need a younger Bond. Uh, my pick, both who I want it to be and who I think could do a really good job with it, is Paul Meskel, who was nominated for an Academy Award this year for Best Actor for his role in After Sun, which I saw, which is fantastic. And I just think he's young enough. He's a really amazing actor. I think he's definitely he would be able to do a different version of Bond from the other ones just because he does have a bit more insecurities or he looks like the kind of person who would have more insecurities. So I think he could make a really good Bond. And I guess I don't have any reason why I think it will be him, but I just, you know, if you speak it, maybe it'll become true.
0: Well, I have never seen Paul Mescal in a movie, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that that's a, probably a pretty poor take um, because liking James Bond is a pretty poor take. So there's no reason to assume that you would buck that trend. But before we go out, Nathan, everyone who is a fan of James Bond as a franchise has a ranking for their favorite to least favorite or least favorite to favorite. James Bond, let's hear yours. Go.
1: Uh, it would have to be Timothy Dalton, and then pretty much in a tie, Daniel Craig and Sean Connery. It's impossible for me to separate the two. I think all of their movies are similar in terms of quality, and I think they both do a fantastic job of portraying their version of Bond Connery as kind of the classic Bond, and Craig as a bit more of an interesting, introspective Bond. And then, honestly, Three is Lazenby. I wish he had gotten more because I think he does do a very good job, especially for someone who wasn't an actor. And then Brosnan. I love Brosnan, but his Bond movies are just really bad, are just really not very good. They're still a lot of fun, but they are more uh, – they just don't work tonally, and I think his Bond is too goofy – and is in too serious of movies and is too goofy in those serious movies and then roger moore is just um he's way too old for the vast majority of his bond movies and he's not like terrible but i i think roger moore is my least favorite bond so that's my ranking Brilliant.
0: well there you go anyway yeah. That's it for today. Let's get out of here, Nathan, yep. so we can tell each other what we really think about our opinions on James Bond. And hopefully our our, our Bond, James Bond, right? Get it? We'll survive that Funny. and we'll, wow. we'll still be here come next week.